Psalm 127, verse 3. By the way, uh, Victoria, I, 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 Nick is here. Where are you, Nick? I asked Nick yesterday, I said, how's Victoria doing? He said, well, she's still pregnant. So pray for her. She is due anytime, and uh, so keep praying for her. She would appreciate that. He would appreciate that. Uh, we had one of the greatest men's discipleship times yesterday that we have had, I think. And uh, it wasn't the largest attendance, but it was a great time, and we, it was really practical. A lot of good stuff happened in that meeting, and so um, I just wanted to share that with you. Also want to take a minute, uh, Darian has got, actually her husband, Dakota, got his orders, and so they will be leaving. Their last time here is December the 7th. Is that right? You're moving on the 7th, day of infamy. They're moving, and uh, so we appreciate her and the blessing that she has been uh, to our church here, First Baptist Church, and, and serving as the secretary. And I have a, we have a new secretary, Julie Burkhart. Just wave your hand, Julie, or stand up. There you go. This is Julie, and welcome her. This is the voice that you will be hearing when you call here, and uh, she has been involved in ministry with Awana. She's been involved with Celebrate Recovery Ministry and uh, music ministry and so on and so forth. So I've known her for about 20 years and uh, watched her grow in the Lord and walk with the Lord. And so I'm excited about that very much. So uh, be praying for that and be praying for, because the Fisher boys are going to be moving on, be praying that God leads us uh, people. If you don't volunteer and you're able to help out with music, then you will have to hear me hum Amazing Grace every Sunday morning into a microphone. So you don't want to do that. All right, uh, also, we've been, in the way of a recap here, we've been in this uh, transformation, this, this radical transformation mode, how that uh, Jesus Christ ought to change us so completely. And we had some, several testimonies yesterday from our guys about people that had made a difference in their life and how that, uh, in some cases, the person who made a difference, uh, as you observe them, their lives were radically changed. Maybe the way they talked, their speech the way they lived, the things they thought about, the things that became uh, important to them that hadn't been important to them before, the things that became unimportant that had been so consuming before. Uh, and so uh, we talked about that, and, and we talked about how that our spiritual health, uh, we can have that by cutting out stress. So we talked about seven affirmations. We talked about uh, physical health. We talked about mental health. We talked about emotional health. And then I've gotten stuck on this relational health. And this is part three today because we talked, uh, first of all, about children, about, uh, rather about um, uh, a spouse last week. And we talked about uh, our, our parents before that. And we talked about uh, today we're going to talk about our children, and then next week, a message on others, and then we're going to move on to vocational health. In Psalm 127, verse 3, the Bible says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Now, I guarantee you that sometimes your kids do not feel like a reward. Sometimes your kids are going to feel like a punishment. I know that. And sometimes you're going to feel like a punishment to them. I know that. But they're a mutual blessing from Almighty God, and, and they are a gift from Him. And blessed are the people who have uh, the children in their lives. They bring a lot of joy. Now, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 talks about, though, um, because we live in a sin-cursed world and, and because things happen, uh, it says here, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah 
And by the way, it's talking about John the Baptist here, the prophet Elijah. Uh, John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah. And that we get that from Matthew 11, John chapter 1. Don't have time to go into that. That's another whole message. But I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will, and listen to this, turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And, and the idea of here, it, it's really obvious. It's really pretty clear. The Hebrew construction here means to turn again or to turn back again. And so sometimes the hearts of children are turned away from parents. Sometimes the hearts of parents are turned away from children. And, and in, in the day of the Lord, uh, here mentioning this and talking about this, he said there's coming uh, uh, in the spirit of Elijah, this person who's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. In Luke chapter 1, it refers to this prophecy, and it says, He, that is John, will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. Could we pray for just a moment right now? Our Father, I, I know in this room there are people who, whose relationships with their children are, are strained, um, maybe difficult, maybe broken right now, uh, maybe tenuous at best. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and Lord, that in fact, that your Holy Spirit would turn our hearts toward our children and turn our children's hearts toward us for the glory of God. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. In the text of Matthew of Malachi chapter 4, what Malachi is really talking about is the judgment of God that's going to fall, and then all of a sudden, he starts talking about the Messiah, the, the Savior that's going to come. And why would that be that way? Once we recognize that there's sin in our lives and there's judgment there because of sin, a wise man or a wise woman is going to seek a remedy for that sin and not carry the weight and the guilt and the load of sin around with them, but they're going to try to seek some way of resolving that. So finding Jesus would have a profound or should have a profound effect upon the home. If it's going to affect our lives, if it's going to affect how we think, how we talk, how we act, how we are at work, how we are at church, how we are in the neighborhood, then of course it ought to affect how we are in the home. My wife had a thing on our refrigerator for many, many years, said how we are at home is how we really are. So if we come in here and put on a big smile on Sunday mornings and we go home and turn it upside down and we're frowning and grouchy and fussing all the time at home, something's wrong. If we treat complete strangers better than we treat our own family members, something is wrong. If we're polite to others and impolite and inconsiderate of our own family, that's where it all should start, folks. That's where it should start, in the home. There have been a pronounced, I believe, now maybe it's always been, but I haven't always been, so I'm only going by what I have observed. There have been profound generation gaps for the last six generations. Six generations that I know about. Huh? Yeah. That is one of them. I, I don't know how, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, profound generation gap. That's just one of them, right? So, so very few homes today, unfortunately, are intact. And those that are often composed of strangers living in the same house. And I will say this about those of you that homeschool. I think that helps a lot avoid those kind of situations. 
think homeschooling is, a, is an incredible blessing. Uh, today, I want to focus a, a little bit more on teens, but their application for younger kids too, because teens are not always easy. Someone's, and you weren't always easy when you were a teenager. Some of you are well beyond that. You're still not very easy. And uh, someone said uh, that teenagers are like cross-eyed javelin throwers. They don't necessarily set records, but they keep the crowd on their toes. <laughs> I told you the other day, Mark Twain said, at 13 years of age, you should build a box in which to keep your teen with a hole for giving him food and water. And when he turns 18, plug the hole. Yeah? And I also told you, so I'm kind of repeating myself, I used to have a sermon, 10 Ways to Raise Godly Teens, and after having my own three children, I have a new sermon, Three Things That Might Work, Who Knows, Give Them a Try. <laughs> have you ever noticed the real experts don't really have kids, huh? You know, they, they're the ones who, oh, I don't know why that kid behaves that way, I don't know, I wouldn't tolerate it, I'll tell you that right now, they don't have a clue. I, I will tell you this much, there is a whole world system out there that's out to destroy your teenager, your primary age, junior age, junior high age, and, and even your kindergartner. Uh, there's, a, I mean, a whole world system. It's the music. It's the movie. I'm not preaching on rock and roll. I, look, I think there's good and bad in every kind of music. I really do. I, I don't think there's a genre that's, that's evil. I was taught, you know, well, if it's got a beat, it's bad. If you don't have a beat, you don't have music, folks. You got to have a beat. We went through that craziness years ago where, oh, they have a drum up there. You know, you listen to the, listen to the radio and it's got drum, but, oh, there's a drum. You know, come on. It's like what they did in Africa where they call the evil spirits. No, it's playing the drum. That's what it is, keeping rhythm. But So I don't think there's any one kind of music that's, that's bad. I think the lyrics need to be right. I think that uh, uh, there are ungodly, unholy lyrics in songs, if we're honest, uh, uh, about that. Some of our favorite songs probably are not things that we ought to be listening to. But the whole world's trying. The music, the movies, the television, the public schools, the porn industry, secular America, the world system, the cosmos is out to build walls between you and your team. Out to destroy your relationship with them. So here's some tips from Scripture and, and philosophies from the Word of God. First of all, they are people. They are people. Your kids are people. Solomon called them children, but taught them as young adults. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, there are Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people, listen to this, wisdom and discipline. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. You can know a lot of things and not be very wise. So wisdom and discipline... God knows we need discipline in our lives to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight into the simple and knowledge and discernment to the, wise, to the young. So that opens up the book of Proverbs. That's the purpose for the whole book of Proverbs. So you need to be reading the book of Proverbs, understanding the book of Proverbs, teaching the book of Proverbs to your children because that's going to be a basis for <coughs> success in their life later on. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. So any teenagers we might have out here, 
um, uh, listen to your dad. Listen to your mom. In verse 10, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Don't go along with the crowd just because you want to be popular, just because everybody else is doing it. Don't do that. Verse 15, my child, don't go along with them. Stay far from their paths. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Chapter 3, verse 1, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And on and on and on and on it goes through the entire book of Proverbs. Wise things. Teenagers, young people, young adults, hey, middle-aged adults, you want to be successful, you want to be wise, you want God to bless your life, know the Proverbs, learn the Proverbs, read the Proverbs, practice the Proverbs. Physically, uh, teenagers are more adult than child. Intellectually, not so much. Uh, Wisdom-wise, now there are exceptions, I mean, obviously. Wisdom-wise, it depends on how much of the Word of God is in their lives, honestly. The Word of God, how much of that is in their lives? Teens, be patient with your parents. They haven't walked this path with you before necessarily. To them, you're still their baby. Our baby is, is about 6'1", you know, and not an ounce of fat on him. I can't stand that fact. But, uh, I mean, you know, he'd get out and do one of these super deals, 100 and I don't know how many miles of bike riding, swimming, everything else. Uh, crazy. But... He's our baby, and he's always going to be our baby. Doesn't matter how big he is, he's our baby. Doesn't matter how old he is, he's our baby. Isaac was older than teenagers are, but was still in submission to his dad. The prodigal was probably older than you are, but he was still um, came back to his dad and admitted his fault. And Joseph and Daniel and David were all about your age if you're a teenager um, when they made life-altering decisions for the good. And what's scary about teenagers is a lot of times they will make decisions that go with them the rest of their entire lives. And the later in the teens and even in the early 20s, decisions that are life-altering that, that, will, that will turn their path one way or the other, toward God or away from God, for good or for bad. So, so when you talk with kids, when you talk with your children, when you talk with your teens, uh, talk to them as adults, give them responsibilities. Expect them to work hard. Communicate with them. Don't just don't yell at them. Don't just yell at them. Spend time with them. Don't ridicule them ever, publicly or privately. They are people. Secondly, they will make mistakes. They are, after all, sinners. By the way, that's hereditary. <laughs> when your teenager sins, it's because they got it from you. When mine sinned, they got it from me because it's passed on, and yet love is patient. One of the many things in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is, it is patient. And by the way, it is unconditional. I love my kids. If they, it doesn't matter what they're going to do. I'm going to love them. Any parent knows what unconditional love is or should know what unconditional love is. They need to be forgiven from time to time. And, and maybe they're not asking for forgiveness. Maybe they don't feel like they need forgiveness. But if there's been offense there, you've been offended and hurt by your child. You need to be proactive in that and forgive them in your own heart, praying, articulating that to God. I forgive them. God, work in their lives because I love them. Where did unconditional love come from? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when Jesus had been beaten, 
in a, such a severe manner that it would have very easily could have taken the life, his life from him at that point at the whipping post, except that that's because he was God. He knew when to lay down his life and no one could take it from him. But the beating was so severe, could have killed him. The crowning of thorns, the, the mockery, the, uh, the nailing on the, when he was nailed to that cross, hanging on that cross, suspended between heaven and earth, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Such great love. You know what I think? I think think Jesus loved Pontius Pilate. I believe Jesus loved the soldiers who nailed him to the cross. I believe Jesus, he was dying for all of them and all of us. Unconditional love. As, As people, they have great potential for good or for bad. Joseph and Daniel and David and so many others in the Bible, the youth of Germany uh, a couple of generations, a generation ago, the youth in Russia, the youth in Cambodia, these teenagers who took machine guns out and other, other weapons and, and basically the revolution was carried on by teenagers and uh, millions of Cambodians were killed and by Paul Pot's leadership and the killing fields. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. The kids of the 60s in our own country changed everything just about, about our society. They have great potential for good or for bad. Third thing is they need to know why. Now, I'm not talking about arguing with them over every decision. I'm not talking about them necessarily agreeing with you about every, everything that you tell them that needs to be done. But I'm talking about teaching our teens how to make important life decisions based on principles from the Word of God. Right now, I am, I am paying my grandson to read some books. And I'm telling you, he's getting a deal because I'm paying him a lot. <laughs> I'm paying him to read um, Dave Ramsey's book on Total Money Makeover. Yeah, he doesn't have anything yet, but I'm going to pay him, and then he'll have something. <laughs> Tremendous principles about staying out of debt, about priorities, how to, how to manage money, and so on. That Most kids get out of high school, don't have a clue how to manage money. You get a credit card, and they think they got it made. I, I'm also uh, paying him to read, uh, well, there's three other books in particular. I'm trying to think of the one right now, the... The most, the uh, two were the priorities. One of them, total money make. Oh, Rick Warren's purpose driven life. There's not a thing in that in that book that's brand new, but it's all put together systematically in an incredibly digestible way. If you want to know what the Bible teaches about your responsibility of why you're here, why God puts you here, you ought to get that book and read it if you haven't. It's incredible. So I'm paying him handsomely to read those two, and then there's two other lesser ones that I'm paying him to read uh, because I want him to have life's principles. You know what? God put principles in my head and in my heart when I was a kid. I didn't realize the importance of them until I got to be an adult, and I realized God used those principles of wisdom to help me to, to, be, to have a life that has been blessed by God. So teach them the truth. And God's worth is the truth. Teach them the absolutes of the Word of God. People today will denigrate the idea of there are no absolutes, they say, without even realizing that statement is an absolute. 
It just sounds so whatever. I don't know. There are no absolutes. I mean, I can just see a professor in a, in a, in a university. There are no absolutes. That's an absolute statement. There are absolutes from the Word of God. John 17, 17 says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Which means we better not have a double standard, Mom, Dad, grandparents. We better not talk one way and live another way. We better be consistent. We better speak the truth and live the truth as best we can. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. 1 Peter 3.15 says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man or teenager or person that asks you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. And 1 Corinthians 11.11 says, be you followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Number four, they need to be accepted. They need to be accepted. A lot of teenagers already feel insecure. They already feel awkward and unsure of themselves. Boys' voices are changing. There are all kinds of things going on inside and out. The girls get taller than the boys, and, and, and it's just it's a weird time of life. And everybody, every teenager, every person, every young person, every little kid that was up here, from the time they can understand anything at all, needs to know that they are special, and they are on purpose, and they are unique, and that God made them, God created them, God gave them life. They are not some kind of an accident. They, they didn't spontaneously combust somehow. God put them here for reasons and for purposes that he knows, and it's up to them to figure that out. And to live, but we can reinforce that idea. So love them when they fail. Love them when they're wrong. Love them when they feel down. Love them when they feel ugly. Just love them unconditionally. And as best you can, make sure they run with the right crowd. There you go. Walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get into trouble, Proverbs 13, 20. So that means walk with the right crowd and the right kind of people at school. If they're, if they're going to a public school, even if they're going to a Christian school, we had a Christian school for years, you guys attended, you guys know there's good crowd, bad crowd, good, bad, and ugly crowds, I'm telling you. Get with the right kind of kids that, and, and you go to you go to you know, university, and it's the same way. They're, 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 you'll find both crowds at the university. You'll find uh, people to hang out with who are there just because mom and dad are paying the bill or whatever else and want them out of the house, and they had to go somewhere, so they're there. At school, at church, in the neighborhood, give them guidance, let them know. I, I think Mrs. Miller, that was my third grade teacher. I don't remember a lot about her, but I remember Mrs. Miller. I remember one day, because I was hanging around with this kid, and, and he was a lot of fun. I can remember his name, too. It was Mark Adams. I remember Mark Adams. Man, we had a blast. Anytime I was with him, we had fun, but it was always, we always got into trouble. And so Miss Miller one day said, uh, said, Jimmy, I want you to stay after class. I thought, uh-oh, what do I do now? And so I stayed after class, and Mrs. Miller said, Jimmy, I noticed you've been hanging around with Mark Adams, and I want you to know 
he's going to get in trouble. He's going to get in a lot of trouble. And you don't need to hang around with him. I don't know if she was a Christian or not. I don't know what she was basing that on. But I'm going to tell you something. Mark Adams right now, last I heard, is a fugitive from the authorities. I'm just a fugitive from a few people. Not very many, so... But I thank God. You know what? That stuck with me. It's not going to be good. And, and you know what? I knew. I knew that I had fun, but I knew that it wasn't the kind of fun that I ought to be having. So make sure they hang around with the right people. Everyone else is doing it. That's not an excuse. My mom, I can hear my mom saying it right now. If everyone else jumps off a cliff, you're going to jump off a cliff? If everyone else sticks their head in the oven, you're going to stick your head in the oven? Huh? And you probably got some of those, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Forget, hey, peer pressure, such a big deal. Peer pressure, oh, what my peers think about. Whatever happened to parental pressure? Whatever happened to God's pressure called conviction? Last point is they need Jesus Christ early on. They need him as their Savior. And isn't it interesting that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, when Jesus was saying, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children. Isn't that amazing? Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of God. You know one of the reasons I like talking to the kids? You, 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 they will listen to you. They will believe you. They will... They will you know, you got to be careful what you're saying to the kids because, because they will accept what you say. And, and the Bible teaches that unless we become like a little child in that, in that regard, uh, we just accept and believe what he says about God and about our need for God, then if you don't do that, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You've got to believe with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, not doubting, but believing. It's important for us to set the example. It's important for us to invest time. It's important for us to give of ourselves to our kids. I know a preacher who says, uh, he says, you know, when, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. So I was drugged to Sunday school every Sunday morning. I was drugged to church every Sunday morning after Sunday school. I was drugged to church every Sunday night. I was drugged to church for prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. I was drugged back to church on Thursday sometime for visitation. And every time we had a meal at home, I was drugged to the dinner table. I said, I had a drug problem. Oh, but he's a preacher today. <laughs> he's been here. That was Tim Lee that said that. Our kids need a drug problem. We need to set the example for what's right and model it, and show it, and live it in front of them, and Jesus Christ being in their life. You know what? I thank God I got saved as an as a eight-year-old boy, and I thank God I did. It was between my second and third grade year, and we actually moved away from Chicago Heights, moved out of there into a place called Creed, Illinois, but, but I, they took me back. My parents took me back for once a week to meet with the pastor there. He had a little Baptist catechism class for the summer and taught us the Word of God and taught us who Jesus was and why Jesus came to this earth and why he died on the cross and why, what happened when they buried him and how he rose again on the third day and how he took upon himself all of my sins. And, and, and he asked, at the end of that, he said, do you want Christ to be your personal Savior? And I said, I sure do. 
And I got baptized. My dad got baptized the same time. And you know, from that point on, and that's, by the way, that happened just before Mrs. Miller told me about Mark Adams. If he gets this and hears it, oh well. Uh, and, and, and so, so I had the Holy Spirit living with me as a young child. You know, that kept me from a lot of stuff. Because I figured out not only was Mrs. Miller telling me what was accurate and true and right, I also figured out that when I did do things that I shouldn't do, I always got caught. I thought it was some kind of a big conspiracy against Jim Bays. I could have three or four friends, we'd get involved, and I'd be the one who got caught. And then I figured out that the Lord disciplines his own. Whom he loves, he disciplines and chastises. So my friends didn't belong to him, but I did. And I'm not proud of everything I did growing up by a long shot, but I'll tell you what, God kept me from a lot of stuff that a lot of kids, a lot of my friends went through because I knew I'd get in trouble if I did. I'd get in trouble with my parents, and I'd get in trouble with God. So every child needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior early on to save them from a lot of stuff. He need, they need him as their helper. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. They need him as their friend. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. They need him as their advisor. James 1, 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He will, just, he will do more than just save their soul. He'll save their life. He'll give them life abundantly in this world. And think about this. How important are children? It was God's only begotten son who made all of this possible for us. Through God's son, we can have everlasting life. Realize who the teen is. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Be the parent, though. Not their buddy. Be their parent. And teenager, live like you should. And all of us, we need God's help to be successful. Let me ask you to bow your heads just for a moment, please. No reason to be embarrassed or nervous. I'm not going to embarrass anybody in any way. But I ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior? Do you know for sure if you died that you'd be in heaven tonight? Say, preacher, I don't think you can know that. Well, the Bible says these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You may K-N-O-W know that you have eternal life. I know I have eternal life, not because I'm good, not because I'm a preacher, but because Jesus died for me and said if I put my faith in him, I would have everlasting life. He forgave me of my sins and became my Savior. If you're here this morning, you're not sure if you died that you'd go to heaven. I'd like for you to pray and ask the Lord to be your Lord and Savior right where you're seated, right where you're seated. Say, preacher, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Pray this. Pray something like this. It's not, it's not these words or some magic formula, but pray something like this, this idea, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Just tell him that. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die someday, but I'm not ready because I need you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and you were buried and you rose again on the third day. And this morning, I want you to forgive me of all my sins. 
I want you to wash me clean. I want you to make me as if I had never sinned by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Please be my Savior today. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed, if you just prayed that prayer right now, you were sincere as you could be, as sincere as you know how to be. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer right now. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up for just a moment. I won't embarrass you. I promise. Just hold it up. God bless you. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise it up. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer a minute with all my heart. 